1: Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.
2: Welcome to the SI Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Traina. Very excited for this week's show. We have Ryan Rosillo from ESPN, and now the ringer on. If you read Train of Thoughts on SI.com, which you should every single day because that's when I write it you know, a couple of weeks ago, Ryan and I got into a little friendly debate about the merits of Pam Beasley from The Office. So if you listen to this podcast right now, as you are, we will talk about Ryan working for ESPN, working for The Ringer, media, his career and all that in the beginning. And then we wrap it up with the last 15 minutes of major, major office talk. So if you're a fan of the show, Stick around for that. Last week, Dale Hansen was on the podcast. Please check that out in the archives if you have not. It was a great interview. Um, it was an hour and 15 minutes. I spoke for about five. Dale spoke for about an hour and 10. So check that out. And uh, that's all that's going on here on the SI Media Podcast. Let's get right to it now with Ryan Rossillo. All right, joining me now, and I'm very excited about this. A lot of people on Twitter wanted this because we had a little spat a couple of weeks ago. And despite his horrible, horrible opinions, on the lovely Pam Beasley, i'm thrilled to welcome ryan Rossillo to the s i media podcast Ryan, how are you
0: I'm good thanks for having me on we
2: we'll, we'll fight about Pam Beasley later um, but no let's problem. let's start with the news because you just I, I as someone who follows sports media and is sort of a nerd about this stuff it's fascinating to see someone get a deal where they work at e s p n and the ringer at the same time um, was it difficult to put this together? Is it a balancing act? Was ESPN giving you the thumbs up from the get-go on it? How did it how did it all come down?
0: Uh, well, yeah, I guess, I don't know, I guess it, it felt complicated until it was easy. Uh, <laughs> the most complicated part was, you know, it's a place that I've been at 12 plus years, uh, I lived Bristol, well, outside of Bristol, um, for almost a decade. And you know, for anybody that loves sports and grows up with ESPN, I mean, there'd be days where I'd be like, I can't believe I actually got to do this. Like, this is incredible. Um, and I've told the story before, like, my 1st fill film-in shift was a two-hour solo show. I lied about whether or not I did solo before. They're like, have you ever done solo? I was like, oh, yeah, all the time. And for anybody that's ever had to do it, it's the hardest thing. I think it's harder than yeah. anchoring, writing, you know, play-by-play. Play. You know, I haven't had to anchor or write like a lot of other guys have, but I just think solo radio is the hardest thing. So I was terrible. And then, you know, things sort of worked out over the next however many years. But, um, you know, I I guess I was wondering where my radio career was going to go because I think they liked me, but I don't think they loved me. And I guess I was a little surprised because I I felt like the numbers were were pretty good. And, you know, I was kind of on the fly there with with a bunch of different things for the last seven months that I was on the air. And so when they wanted to change it, you know, we, we had a couple different discussions. And, I, um, I thought, you know what, I think I just want to try something different. And part of that was moving outside of New England. You know, I was Massachusetts, Vermont, Connecticut pretty much my whole life, and I've never lived outside of New England. So I'd had this other thing, you know, three years ago, pitching a television show and working with an agency and working with writers and producers on it. And, you know, we, it didn't work, but it kind of gave me that itch of, all right, well, now that I see how this thing works, I'd like to try this again. And so it all kind of came together. So when I made the announcement at the end of last year, um, and I didn't really want to leave ESPN. I think that was the thing. It was just I didn't think the radio thing was, was going in the right direction. And so I was still under contract. A few months went by, um, and I started doing my podcast for ESPN immediately after I left the radio show pretty much, maybe you know, a couple of weeks later. And, you know, then Connor Shell called, and we talked, and he just said, do you think, you know, you want to try to figure something out, and I was like, "Yeah, I, I do." And he's like, "Well, if you don't do anything except your podcast for nine months, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know that we're going to be in a huge hurry to get back into the Ryan Russell business." So I was like, "Look, man, I like to work. I'm a worker. I don't, you know, I don't. If anything, it probably was something I've referenced before, but I, I probably worked too much in the past." So I uh, I talked with him. I did some NBA shows. I came back. I did SportsCenter. I did the draft. I didn't get up. And then I had that long stretch of doing get up. I, I still wasn't quite sure how it was going to play out. And they were like, we don't really have the role for you now. And it sounds like you don't want the five day a week thing anyway. We're trying to pursue writing. And I said, yeah, you know, and they're like, well, why don't we just put together this kind of package? And Connor and I talked about it. And as long as he's happy, I'm happy. And I think he's happy. And, um, uh, Bill and I, meaning Simmons, obviously had had talked for a while about ever trying to figure something out. And, you know, I don't think that there was a full time kind of role that uh, maybe I would want, or, you know, maybe that would make a ton of sense for everybody. So it just all sort of pieced together. And I think as long as everybody understood, you know, that one, it one of a football podcast, and then with Bill, I'll co-host with him once a week. And then, you know, the podcast I do for ESPN, I mean, it was number five in episodes as of today behind two Simmons episodes and two Barstool episodes. So, uh, it's, it's, it's there for, for them to make money on and, and make it work. So, um, I know it's unique. I know it's different. I think probably a couple of years ago, no one would have ever thought something like this could happen, but when you lay it all out, I think it actually makes a lot of sense. And it's not, it's not really, uh, that complicated. And We'll see how it goes next year. So, so I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. So
2: did the ESPN part. So it sounds like, correct me, if, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like the ESPN part of this really just came about in the last few weeks. Is that safe to say?
0: Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't really quite sure. I was thinking about just doing my own podcast, you know, once a week and, and right. selling it on my own. I had a couple other offers to sell it through them. Um, I had a couple other offers to take full-time jobs in sports media. Um, but if, if somebody wasn't going to do, like, I know I'm a good radio host. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, the numbers are there, the billing's there. I've done it. Um, I, I know I'm good at it. So if, somebody wants to step up and, and go, all right, we're going to make you a priority and make this a really big deal instead of kind of just you're there, um, you know, maybe I would do it. But if, if these other things that I want to do work out, I may not ever want to do that. So,
2: yeah. So the, um, in, in case anyone doesn't know, let me just give a quick um, synopsis. Here. So Ryan, so the Rossillo show podcast for ESPN keeps going. You're going to be doing some TV stuff for them, the jump, get yeah. up. And then a football podcast, I guess it's once a week with Simmons at the ringer and
0: yeah i do it. The, the football one is once a week with me where it's nfl and college right. and you know
2: um and that, then with simmons the on end. nba right yeah. Yeah. yeah right sorry that's right good
0: that was a good that was good hosting right there yeah because you know you you told
2: the backstory yes that you got jumping right into fill it in the I thought. no I'm, I'm really not um <laughs> really not so yeah so then a football podcast solo for the ringer and then you'll be joining simmons when the nba season starts with you. We both know the two of you have the passion. And then um, you're going to be working on your pilot. Is that now when you ever, we, you know, there's that cliche, like I'm working on my pilot. I picture you like in star, yeah. Starbucks with the AirPods. Um, exactly. Drinking exactly. your venti latte, soy milk. Yeah. Working on your pilot. Well, get, Can you give me some uh, hints of what this pilot is about? Is it about your life well, or something else? Bit,
0: no, no, I can't. I actually can't tell you what it's about. Uh, oh. I, I've written three since. I uh, left the radio show, and one, I was told, sucked, <laughs> which was the first one. And I was glad that people were honest about it. You know, people that are in the business, that right. like me, you know, that I become friends with. And then I was like, all right, got to really try to swing for the fences here on the second one. And it was it was really cool that, that some people that hated the first one loved the second one. So um, that got me hired just by guys reading the first two things I did to to write this other pilot that they had an idea. And you look, hired's a loose term out here. A Hired, um, <laughs> you know, paid is a much better term. So, you know, like a lot of things, if it works out, then it all works out. But everybody jokes out here, in meaning in L.A., where I live now, but that, you know, once you kind of get in the mix and you see how things work, you, you're amazed anything actually gets done. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not being naive about it at all. I know how hard this is. I know, you know, guys that have, have had credits for 20 years, you know, can't get their own show made and sold, so I think that there's levels to it of, wow, would it be great to create something and sell it, sure, but uh, at this point, I think with the way things are, you know, the, the schedule at least for the next year um, and I'm with ICM now uh, who's repping me on sports and on the TV side um, you know, they've, they've read my stuff and they say yeah, well, we, we, we can get you a job, it's not a matter of, of whether or not you can get a job, it's just a matter of maybe somebody understanding your background your perspective and being a little different you know, coming at this a little later after a different career and feeling like it's a good fit. So yeah. unfortunately, because of the, the third pilot that I just finished, I can't, I, 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 people got mad at me for even telling like friends right. of mine about what it was wow. so for me to do it on your podcast.
2: Yeah. i yeah. be pretty upset. I don't want you to get in trouble.
0: I will say, it sounds cool. Though, yeah. yeah.
2: Right? Sounds oh, absolutely. We'll cool talk about it. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be this, you know, show that, just has every, you know, Hollywood secret or something in it.
0: Well, I, I promise that it's a little bit more than me just buying the final draft program against Starbucks. So I have actually I've actually sp- been working on all this stuff since I left.
2: All right. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. It's it's actually funny too because I was thinking about this, uh, you know, with sort of, you, you know, you have the Ringer and ESPN, so I guess I guess you're not beholden to one since you got this deal with both going on because it was interesting to me to book you on this podcast like for some like really inside media, um, behind the scenes stuff here. Like if I, have been told, um, you know, people at the ringer are not allowed to do non ringer podcasts. And then with ESPN, they've been good to me about getting guests, but they want everything. Like I I'll reach out to SVP and I'll say, yeah, I, you know, I'd love to do the podcast, but just, you know, let ESPN PR know. You thank you, Carissa Thompson for the hookup. I texted you like, y'all yeah, come on. And like, here you are. It was no frills. So I like that you're sort of a wild card free agent in all of this. It makes my job easier. So thank you. <laughs> wow, I didn't
0: really realize that. So now it like, sounds like you're trying to get me in you.
2: I just don't want, no, yeah. No, I, <laughs>
0: I don't, you know, look, again, like, I know it's, I know it's a little different, but, um, you know, we, we had a bunch of different options out there on, on how we wanted to do this. And um, like I said, as, as long as Connor's happy and I know he is and I'm happy and uh, I'll keep doing c- good content and, you know, I'm going to come back east, I imagine, at some point, occasionally to do some shows. Like, I got, I don't, I know it's different, but I think it's different in a great way. I don't, right. I don't think
2: anybody should be worried about it. So, two, two things about radio. Um, it's funny because you mentioned that you did a solo show for a while, and you know, here in New York, we have Mike Francesa, and you know, the guy now has sort of become more known for people making fun of him than his career, which is an interesting whole side note thing. But. One thing I will always say about Mike Francesco, no matter how anyone feels about him, this guy has been five and a half hours of radio a day by himself for, I don't know, 10, 12 years now, which is not easy. Uh, when you're, you've done radio with SVP, Danny Cannell, then you've done solo. Uh, biggest difference between doing solo and with a partner, I mean, how much harder is it solo?
0: Well, it's, it's way harder. Um, I mean, I didn't like to take calls. Like, I don't, I don't think taking calls on a national show. Does does anything for a show. I can understand if you're, you know, three hours solo and, and you got to break it up a little bit, right. you know, just to hear a little different voice. Like, I've, I've thought that ever since the serial podcast first came out, the reason why I think they're, they're, like, look, they're beautifully written. It's great subject matter, you know, especially the first season. But there are these little audio tricks that they pull where they'll do a little <laughs> piano riff and, you know, I do think that there's like a a human nature thing that if you hear a different voice, you hear a different piece of audio, it sort of resets your focus and probably keeps you listening longer. So Mm -hmm. I do think as great as some of the great solo hosts are to just ramble and, you know, even for me, like having a deeper voice and not being a guy that's like super excitable up and down all the time in the range, like that, it, it, it doesn't mean necessarily what you're saying is boring, but I think, it, you know, you can kind of get monotonous and, and I, to hear a change, you know, just even playing sound, mm-hmm. but a caller can be that thing at times. But when I listen to talk shows, especially national talk shows that are doing a lot of calls, I just, when have you ever said, I'm really glad, glad that like Don from Tampa told me to not sleep on the bucks? Yeah. I mean, like, the,
2: o- the only time I in the car for that, the only time a call is good is when it's a prank. Basically. <laughs>
0: Yeah, or the call is so absurd that you sort of play off of it and then it drives you like it's kind of a straw man call. Right. We got this one guy that thinks this and now I get to smash this guy's opinion for seven minutes even though 99% of the people disagreed with him anyway.
2: Right, right. So, um,
0: you know, the radio, the solo thing when I first started... You know, it would kind of be all over the place and I, you know, I prepped too much in in the wrong way. Instead of just like figuring out the one thing I wanted to say and keep making that point, I would say 20 things to prove how smart I was and how much studying I did and actually ended up being terrible. (laughs) And then with Scott, because of his sports center schedule, I would have long stretches of being solo, but that was, you know, that was really challenging. And I, I think I've always kind of resented that some people didn't think I was good solo because like be solo for two weeks and then be the number two for a month and then be solo for a week. And then, you know, yeah. don't be solo for two months and then be solo. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I would, to do that, you need like a couple years. I'm serious. You need like a couple years to figure it out, figure out your pacing. Like I would say too much in too short of a time. And then I'd be like, damn it. I still have like three minutes to go. Right. And when you're solo and your segment sucks, it's the worst feeling. Cause it's just you. You're saying you're like, Hey dude, you're still on the air. There's nothing to throw to. So, um, I I didn't, get, I didn't really get any good at it until I decided, like, I just don't care anymore. Like, I'm good. I'll be fine. And that's it. And until I stopped thinking about it, um, that, that's, that's when I finally turned a corner. And then, you know, I was never really solo unless I was doing a rotation of guests um, like I was for the last seven or so months. So, you know, to do it with somebody like Scott, first of all, I mean, we're friends. We're very close friends. Mm-hmm. And we developed that friendship in the studio because we, we just knew each other before and we liked each other, but we weren't friends. Uh, before we did the radio show together, but it uh, it's just it's totally different because you just you you have to learn how to play off of a guy. Um, I think one of the other strengths that always taught me is like you, you know talking is great but knowing when to shut up is even better right and when the other guy's going, let him go and then keep feeding him in a way that keeps him making his point point. and then there's other moments where you're just like no, nah, I'm on this, I'm taking over and that's fine It was something as strong as Scott like it would um you know, it's not like I had to take over, but I had a I had to learn how to be like, okay, some days you're the one and some days you're the two and I was going back and forth with that to the life of that show. So it was uh, it was probably maybe better long term, but in the moment it was it was always kinda hard to figure out.
2: Yeah. I mean I could be I could be totally wrong on this, but I've always had the impression that sports fans think it's very easy to do sports talk radio and I think every sports fan thinks they can do sports talk radio. And like you said, listen, I could sit here right now and say, okay, Ryan, who's better, LeBron or Jordan? And, you know, we can then go for an hour and, you know, but to do it well is a skill that I think is very underappreciated in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I do. I, I think you just get on and you're like, okay, I got this. And then I, I just, it, it is really, really hard. But like, yeah, when I listen to Francesca and I grew up on, Mike and the Dog. Right. I grew up on it as a huge Boston fan in every single... Like, I was obsessed with the Red Sox, huh. okay? I ended up working for their minor league team. That's how I knew what I was. I, you know, I, I, this isn't a joke, but, like, I didn't miss a game. Like, I'm talking 162 for 162 for, like, seven years, right. okay? I, I was convinced I knew what, like, Shea Hillenbrand weakness was, and if Wakefield's like, release point was too close to his ear. Like, I'm serious. like, And I probably was wrong, but I was that guy. I was the guy that would have called in to argue with a host <laughs> about right. how passionate I was about right. it. But I actually loved Mike and the Dog show better than any show in Boston, and it wasn't even close, even though they were talking about the Mets all the time. And, you know, granted, they were talking about the Yankees a lot, too, but I'd rather listen to those guys talk about the Fats, a team I couldn't care anything about, yeah. um, because I just thought they were so good. But, you know, the weird thing about Callers, and I was actually talking with Simmons about this yesterday. You know, I was asking about Francesca, and I said, you know, I can understand why people would look at Mike and think, you know, he's okay, he's arrogant or whatever. I mean, first of all, there's an arrogance that comes with being that successful. I mean, it's just going to happen. But if you had to take those calls, like guys saying, can we move Kadir for Kershaw? And you (laughs) took them for five hours a day for decades, (laughs) like, wouldn't you think everybody else was dumber than you? so <laughs> <laughs> i kind of don't blame yeah. him right. for for having a, an arrogance not only with a success but you know that's that's let local radio and i did local radio in boston for three years and unfortunately our show sucked so bad that we didn't really have enough calls to make it work for four hours wait but, whoa, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. Calls,
2: hold on hold on you didn't you couldn't get enough calls on a radio show in boston
0: no, we, we really believe. didn't have a strong signal out there. Okay. There, was, there was a lot of science behind it. Apparently, the stick was pointed in the wrong direction. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so we uh, we struggled there. But that was a good... Uh, it was great because no one was around. So I was able to do a show three to four hours every day for almost three years, and no one told me if <laughs> I was any good or not. So I just <laughs> did it. So it was actually like the greatest training ground. But yeah, the, I was just joking about this the other day. I think the most calls we ever had was who could you beat up on the 2003 red sox team
2: and we had calls all who day. could you beat up okay that, well that's a good topic though right. something well, listen it was good yeah it's it. Uh, listen you it's much more interesting than you know who should be the second lefty out of the pen
0: yeah we we, we had four hours of calls that day right and it was just guys were calling in with different theories you know williamson's forearms are pretty big I'm right like, yeah definitely stay from him
2: but it does sound like you um, I, and I, i'm similar in this way too and i i it just sounds like you're this way too. Like you want the feedback, you want the critique. I mean, I, you know, I want someone to tell me like, Oh, you cut your guests off too much or I, I, how else are you going to be better if you to just do it and then never get any feedback. Well, I don't see the point in that exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, that was, I mean, that was good though. only because I think I, I didn't have anybody saying great job, bad job. It was just, I was sort of figuring it out on the fly. Mm. So in a way that run at that Boston station and everybody that worked there actually was, was great. It just you know we were in a possible situation. Right. Sporting News is making all sorts of cuts. Sporting News actually this is awesome. Sporting News I turned down two other offers after I'd worked there for 3 years and I was making like 25 grand a year and then I think I got to like 40 in the 3rd year. Wow. So I'm you know and I'd made 12 a year before that <laughs> uh, in minor league baseball. So I'm broke, credit score wasn't super strong. Um, <laughs> definitely some financial issues at the time and then Sporting News signed me in agreement to a new contract at like, I think I was going to be 29, 30, 31, and I was going to make a hundred grand. And I was like, this is the best. And they're like, you're, you know, the future of the, the station and the afternoon show and all this stuff. So I turned down two other gigs, signed in principle. The contract never came in, called Sporting News. I'm like, where's the contract? Where's the contract? And a guy waved a stack of papers in the phone in the background. I was like, it's right here. We're, you know, <laughs> crossing the T's dotting the I's whole we'll deal. And then they laid me off the next week. No Wait, there you go. There you go. Ru- Welcome to radio. Ru- and then, by the way, yeah. that was why I tried out ESPN.
2: Okay. Well, listen, that, I mean, and there it is. I mean, that's sort of the journey. I mean, it, it, you actually just reminded me so much of the Howard Stern story where he, uh, I think he was doing radios in Detroit and then they changed it to an old country station and that's what got him then to Washington, which got him to, to New York. So the failures lead to the successes a lot of times in this insane business.
0: Oh, totally. In this business, yeah. I mean, you know, there's so many times where you know somebody will call me, they lost a job, and I'll go, "Yeah, you know what?" And I'm telling you, more often than not, it ends up working out because you end up taking a chance or moving somewhere else or start challenging yourself to think differently about your career in ways that you never did before. Well, the paycheck's coming every two weeks, you you know, you can pretend you're planning for the future, but you're not. Right. But when that money runs out, you're like, "Okay, now I have no choice." I mean, there's nothing like the motivation of fear of not being able to pay your bills.
2: So, tell me. When you, when you, I guess, left ESPN, even though you didn't fully leave, because you were still doing the podcast, it was December 2017, and you had said at the time, you were a little frustrated there, I think you said you didn't have a life, you were looking for some more balance, so you, have you found that over the last six to nine months? Do you, you feel like you're in a better place with that, now that you're sort of doing these two gigs?
0: Uh, Yeah, I I, I think so, and I think that's what I set myself up for the next year. I mean, the weird thing about, you know, this leaving the radio thing, like, some people were like, dude, move to France for a month, or, you know, like, Mm -hmm. go to the Caribbean, get out of here, you know, learn to surf, run out your house, just pack it all up, and I was like, yeah, but if I do that, if I don't do any podcast, if I blow everybody off, if I do zero work for nine months related to sports, and... You know, even though I want to do this TV writing thing, I knew the timeline of it. I was like, oh, what's the likelihood that you're going to sell a show in nine months and everybody's going to think you're this awesome writer? I'm like, <laughs> that's not likely. So yeah. I'm, not to, I'm not going to pretend that. Like, I'm not going to be delusional about how hard this writing thing is. And um, I didn't even want to be disrespectful to guys that have done it. Be like, oh, yeah, I'm cool. I got nine months. I'll just bang out. You know, <laughs> I always try to make jokes about movies and I realize I shouldn't make fun of any movies or TV shows anymore. I, can be
2: yeah, I was going to say so, those quotes will come yeah, back to and, haunt you right i gotta stop doing that
0: so um i'm not gonna make a joke there but <laughs> i uh i was yeah i mean look i was living in connecticut and i i really you know i always wanted to know what i was talking about on the air i, I know <laughs> uh shocking and sometimes i thought and i've mentioned this before when i did the dice thing i was like Man, this is just a waste of time doing all this stuff but i, I do i just like watching games Right. So I always learn more watching games. And then it maybe a game that I watch that I don't even reference. And then three weeks later, I don't know, something happens. And I go, well, I remember this happened. So I'm a game guy. Like, I love watching games. So in a weird way, I never wanted to do the job unless I was locked into all the games. So um, I, I still was kind of hustling about what the next thing was, whether it was writing, you know, keeping doors open to other things, you know, and signing with ICM, which is something, you know, i have been with our for a little while. So I was still kind of setting up everything for when my ESPN thing were to expire had I not figured out something else to do. So it would have been cool in theory to just take a total break from life for nine months. But if I had done that, I, I think this would have been a really weird spot to be in. Going, right. you know, all right, now what? Because right. I just disappeared. And in this business, I don't think you can disappear for that long.
2: I agree. I totally agree. I mean, I... I didn't work for a year, and uh, it, you could feel it. You could feel it sort of slipping away, and you know, luckily SI brought me back. But I know, I know, what you're, I know exactly what you mean. It, you got to keep your name out there. There's some, you know, especially all these companies with their layoffs, and every company there's upheaval, it seems like. And that means all these people are out there looking for jobs. The competition is greater than ever, too. So.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, one of the things that's always – I think I've been doing it long enough now, which seems weird. Because it was like, man, I was so young and then I got old. Um, but it happens fast. When it first, yeah, right. I mean, but I think I, I spanned the media thing enough to have seen, you know, how, how to have seen now how this has changed. Right. And that when I first started and, you know, had my first press pass and, you know, was up in the press box and then would go down to the locker room afterwards. And I didn't have to do that a ton, so I don't want to make it sound like I was some guy at the baseball beat because those guys have it. I mean, look, you're right about baseball, so people can act like, oh, who cares? But that's thats a tough job. It that's is. That's a tough sports job, yep. and I don't – I would never want to do that. I don't envy the position, so I actually have a ton of respect for those guys, so I never want to act like that's what I was doing. But I did do it a little bit, and I, I – um, you know, you, you didn't get that job unless you wrote for the local paper and then the next paper, and then, you know, you're covering the Red Sox, maybe at 35. And the rules have changed so much so that, like, the path – to it is, is quicker. Like you can get to what you want to a lot quicker, but that also means there's a million people right next to you trying to do the exact same thing. Right. So I can't say it's, it's easier because it's easier in different ways than it was when I started. But it's, you know, like if I were in an apartment in Burlington, Vermont, 2001, above this restaurant, like there weren't, you know, no one was really doing blogs. Nobody was doing a podcast. Like I had to get on the air. I had to get on the air any possible way I could. And the mm. first place that did it hired me as, you know, as a baseball team that hired me because I sold health insurance and they knew I could sell tickets. So that can be totally circumvented now, but you're right. Like this business feels more competitive than ever because it's, it's harder to make a name for yourself, but it's easier to at least get that start.
2: Yeah. And, and it's also much harder to get yourself in trouble. i mean, much easier. I mean, much easier to get yourself in trouble. Yeah. 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 So it's a factor too. Um, I don't want to put you in a tough spot given that you, you know, everything's Kumbaya right now with ESPN, but there, there there seems to be a little bit of a I don't want to say upheaval, that's not the right word, but things are changing over there with Skipper out and Jimmy Pataro in and you know Beatles off get up and Jamel Hills leaving and there seems to be a little, you know, maybe heavier emphasis on Sports Center. Um, the as someone who works there, uh, the differences between Skipper and Pataro, is that something you think about? And when you are looking to maybe go back and do more work for them, or is it, how much is that way into it? I mean, you mentioned Connor Schnell a lot. Is it just, you're totally just trying to work with him. Uh, how much do you, does upper management factor into Ryan Rossillo either making a deal or, or doing more work there?
0: Oh yeah. Shell Connor, Connor shells. Yeah. The number one reason I'm, I'm back. Uh, and Rob Savinelli, I would think a little bit in the talent department. Um, I should make that sense a little bit. Maybe I should put ratios on the whole thing, just <laughs> I always like, you know, being honest and, and you know, not um, cliche the answers. This is me being honest, but it's cliche. Like I have no idea. I've, right. I've emailed with Jimmy once, um, and maybe I shouldn't even just call him by his first name. But uh, <laughs> we have a couple mutual <laughs> friends. Everybody seems to love the guy. Mm-hmm. But to say, oh hey, I know how it is. Like I. I always kind of, oh well, people that know me well be like, oh, you know what about something? Um, but, you know, if you were in Bristol five days a week and grinded it and out, and like West Hartford's not a bad life. Uh, I liked West Hartford. If I were married and having kids, then I probably would have just taken the extension, stayed, and done my radio show and been frustrated. And you know, um, had you know, if, if things had worked out differently, and I could have, I could have lived there. Like I like New England. I don't have a problem with New England, but. That's not what it was going on. So personally, I was like, let me try something different. And the reason I bring that up is that those of us that are, you know, the, the sports center people, um, the people that have like two different sports season jobs, I mean, the people that are grinding there five days a week that live in Bristol. Um, you know, we, we saw how everything worked and and the great things and the challenges. And like any job, man, like you're going to have stuff that you don't like. And sometimes you're the one that's wrong. Like you cannot like something. And then somebody pulls you aside and you're like, actually, I'm wrong. I should just shut up. So when people that don't work there or aren't in Bristol try to tell the world, like how it all goes down there, mm-hmm. that used to piss me off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and it, happens a lot. Like, Oh, you've got it figured out. Like you don't have, you're not living in Connecticut five days a week. You're not showing up the campus rolling through security five days a week for the last 10, 20 years. So now that I live in LA, I, I can't, I can't give you an answer on that one. I have no idea. I like Skipper. I got along with him. I understand some of the critiques. I understand people's frustrations. Um, and, you know, at one point, like, I can tell you, I even got along with him. I like talking to him. But at, at one point he hinted like I was going to be in the layoffs. So, I mean, I still got along with him, even though it was the worst meeting I probably had there. So um, I don't know enough about Jimmy other than people that I know that know me love him. Right. So that's that's really all I have on it because I'm just not there anymore.
2: So what ended up happening where you, he said you would be in the layoffs and then you weren't in the layoffs?
0: I, I don't. I don't know. I, I, from what I heard, that people were kind of like, you know what, he's actually good.
2: He? <laughs> you, would th- I've, you, I've heard. you would hope the top guy would know that, but okay.
0: Well, actually, I mean, when you're running the entire company and you're in Skipper's position on that one, that you're going to you're going to defer to people mm-hmm. underneath you that go like hey these are the numbers this is what we're doing billing and we think he's good or this guy's numbers stink, and right. he's not doing any billing and we actually don't know why we keep resigning him um and then you know unfortunately for a lot of my friends who are in the layoffs too like if you're a certain level of of, of salary you know it's just the, the accounting of it so yeah. um i don't want to go too into that and Anybody upset but that's okay. I think It was definitely something that was that was tough for me because I yeah. lost my partner, I lost Sarah Walsh, She was you know my best friend and neighbor. And um, yeah, I went through a phase there for about six weeks where I was looking at Zillow every commercial break at for a new house
2: because mm-hmm. I thought I was out. Um, well, it's amazing how that worked out because here you are again. Now, the um, you mentioned you did get up for a while, you've done TV though, you know, here uh, over the years, but you you consider yourself a radio guy or do you? Is TV what you want to end up doing at some point? Like, a, would you want to do it full time? Would you always want to keep the radio? What, what's the like radio TV balance in a in a utopia society for Ryan Russello?
0: Well, TV's easier, you know. So I think <laughs> like a lot of radio guys are like, "How do I gotta, like, get into the TV thing?" But then a lot of the TV people were like, "Wait a minute, I just want to you know relax and go do radio and <laughs> and stuff," you know. Yeah. So. I I remember like the first job I ever wanted, I wanted to be an anchor. I was working at a CBS affiliate Burlington, Vermont in 99, and I thought I wanted to be an anchor. I thought I wanted to be the next uh, Craig Kilborn, and I started writing scripts for the anchors, and I sort of just like throwing stuff in there. Like Lou Maloney got sent down, and I think somebody who'd been called up got thrown out trying to steal a bass, and I wrote in the script, like, good thing you sent down Lou Maloney, and the guy said it in the prompter, and because he didn't, I don't think he, he read his script ahead of time, and he came back, and he's like, what was that? I go, well, you know, they should have never sent Marloni down because I was obsessed with Blue Marloni. Uh-huh. And, um, he's like, yeah, don't ever do that. And he's like, if you want to do that stuff, be a talk show host, don't be an anchor. I was like, yeah, actually, it's a good call. <laughs> that would be the end of my yeah. wanting to be an anchor thing. Uh, I really like TV. Uh, you know, it's funny cause you know, my father's a, a big supporter and without him, I've never been able to do any of this stuff. And he, uh, he's always like, you're way better on TV than you radio. And I go, well, <laughs> wait a minute. I'm like, that's not fair. Cause in TV, you know, you're on shorter, it's thrown to you. You're not pontificating for seven or eight minutes. Like I have more of a window to screw up when I'm on radio right. than I do TV. But, you know, previously different people at ESPN ever saw me as a TV guy. Uh, even though I'd done TV for the Celtics for a really long time up in Boston. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then I do get up and I know it went well. And, you know, I think there's always been kind of this thing. Like, and I think it like a lot of us are this way. When you have an opinion on something, you don't want to actually admit that you were wrong about it. And I think the people that thought I could never do TV at Bristol were wrong. Right. And instead of saying, Oh, he got better, you know, like instead of saying, Ah, actually he's pretty good at it. Like when I anchored the combine, people were like, Oh, really? And then I did it. And like actually he was good at it. So, I would like to, you know, like a lot of people that are opinion people, there. I would have loved to have had my own show. And, one of those people but i don't think it was ever gonna happen there so will i do tv again i don't i don't know
2: well what if they came to you let's say mike greenberg decided to retire or whatever or they created a new show and you know they wanted you to do a a monday through friday five days a week three hours a day would you want to do that yeah i
0: would um it's really hard okay and i uh i'm bummed out for my friends that work on get up and whether it's Greeny Beetle Jaylen, or Jalen or Bill Wolf behind the scenes and, and so many other people that I love to work with, um, that week. So I feel bad if I don't name everybody, but that's just what I'm going to do. Um, because you know, when you're off, I think the hard thing with television is that, okay, so you've built up this audience, you kind of own that seven to ten, six to 10 window. And then the delay of, of launching it up, I think invites people to start experiencing other morning routines mm-hmm. and, I you feel bad for my friends. that like, they're the ones getting beat up because of the salaries and you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here in football. Um, but it's, it's really tough. So I would never say like, Oh, I want to do a show, everybody I'm going to kick ass. I'm going to be awesome. I'm going to be awesome. Ratings and all those different things. I just think anybody that does this, uh, it's like, like if you were an actor, you would never ask an actor, be like, Hey, do you always want to be a supporting cast member? Or would you want the lead? Do you want to play the leading guy? Like everybody would say, I want to be the lead guy. So I don't know how, like I did this because I wanted to be great at it, or I hope to be great at, it, and I wanted to reach all of those heights. And I don't know that it was ever going to happen the way I wanted it to happen. So that's why I probably did what I did. But yeah, if someone said, "Hey, you're the guy for putting you with a couple people, and it's going to be your show," I would I would jump at that because it would make it would validate like. I know I can do this, mm-hmm. but then you know you worry. You go, okay, who are we going up against? Right then, What's the, re- the carryover from the night before, right, right. The Monday night rating. You know, is it on me? And that's the thing with ratings is like, anytime they're bad, we just go we're like, ah, oh, you know, we're not promoted enough. You know, it's just, <laughs> just the way it works. <laughs> so, yeah. The, the short answer is, yeah, I would absolutely yeah. do that, but it would have to be something everybody was really excited about. Do
2: you do you love doing interviews? Do you do you love interviewing athletes, or could you take it or leave it?
0: Athletes, for the most part, are terrible interviews, and um, I give Levitard a lot of credit for this because he's like, you know what? What are we doing? Right, right. It's like, no on everybody, and I was like, wait a minute, he's right. Like, Again, I started realizing like I had said no more often than not, but like you would do this thing like if you go all the way back to game night, right? So I would do those game night shifts, and it was Saturday from seven p. to one a. Mm-hmm. It was a six hour radio show, and honestly, it was. It was a lot of fun because it wasn't any pressure on you. And it'd be me, Freddie Coleman was awesome to me, um, Gottlieb, John Seibel, like, uh, Jeff Rickard. Like, that was the guys that I would, I would fill in with, and I would do those shows. And somebody, you know, a, a, a game would go final, and somebody would be like, hey, we can get
2: Todd Huntley.
0: <laughs> we be like, yes, yes. We do. like, do you want to hunt? Yeah, we do. Are you kidding?
2: Right, right. And
0: we'd be so excited. We got an athlete on, and we'd you know we'd have some stringer in the ballpark who would you know hand him his cell phone, and we'd be like, you know what, you know that 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 two two pitch. What what were you looking for on that double in the seventh? And we we thought we were killing it. And you know he'd be like, oh, you know, two two, just trying to look for something to hit. <laughs> you know, was able to get some contact on it. You know, he scored. And you know, then we won. And like, oh man, you know what? What does this mean for the, the you guys the rest of the way, huh? This sort really of yeah. sets the tone. You'd be like, well, it's May, so you know. And then you just like, holy, like, wow, these all suck. <laughs> and it's not even his fault, and it's not really our fault. But it, that's when, like, a couple years ago, and I don't know if you noticed this, or and I started trying to market it this way. But I just started having guys on to tell stories, right? And sometimes it would whiff, but if I planned it out right, like if I did. Barry Melrose on being 36 and his first head coaching gig is coaching Gretzky and all those dudes with the LA Kings when it was like, you know, I got him talking about that for 10 minutes and that was the whole interview. So it's up to the host to figure out which athletes and coaches are great at telling stories mm-hmm. because the mundane, Hey, you know, what, what are you going to do? Like local radio? I think you have to do that stuff. Like how do you feel about, yeah. you know, why are you changing the batting order? Like that's the hardcore nerd stuff that the local audience wants, but on the national stuff, I love doing interviews, but only if I can get somebody telling a story because right. that, the other stuff's outdated and boring.
2: Yeah, and there's nothing worse than when you get the, oh, this guy has a book, can you put him on, or, you know, this oh, we have a new commercial from Nike, and he's on to promote it, and then you're like, okay, so tell me, you know, it's been a rough season. Well, you know, I have my deal with Nike, and, you know, those interviews are the best.
0: They're, they're <laughs> like, look, here's the game. We're going to bring you in, say you're presented by Nike and we're going to ask you one question about Nike on the way out and we own the other six minutes Right. and some of the guys don't get it they think they're supposed to say Nike the whole time and those guys are the worst and we get to the point where we just start cutting dudes off and that's why Clay Thompson is my absolute favorite because Clay came on to promote chocolate milk and we actually did a video like element to the interview for the mm-hmm. radio show so it was simulcast because he set up a camera and he had a chocolate milk shirt on and we just started talking Warriors and then I asked him like the requisite chocolate milk question. And he forgot he was promoting chocolate milk
2: <laughs> and was
0: like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And then he like patted his polo shirt that said like chocolate milk on it. And he's like, yeah, you got to drink that chocolate milk. And he started dying laughing because he like forgot.
2: Yeah. And that's why Clay well, that's, once again is the best. That's a good guess right there. Give me, give me three athletes you have never interviewed who would, you would want to interview who you think would be good who, or you could get something out of.
0: Um, you know, I've actually never interviewed LeBron. Right. I did interview Kobe. I The first Tiger interview we did with Van Pel, I told him, I was like, dude, you just do it. We haven't talked to this <laughs> guy in forever. You haven't talked to him. And then I did get to interview him with Scott the second time. So there's not... Bill Russell was... Now I'm naming guys that I haven't interviewed. Um, Bill Russell's probably still one of my all-time favorites. Um, there's not many guys left that I haven't been able to talk to, but if you put it that way... I guess I would like to talk about LeBron and try to get him away from I think when you're that famous and every moment is scrutinized right. that you you almost instinctively build up this shell. So I think he's very scripted in a way that I understand where like Russell Wilson's so scripted I can't stand it. Right. And I would I would never interview Russell Wilson. I mean, there's, there's no point. And I think, like, Russell Wilson thinks, like, man, I'm killing it with every single answer. And I'm watching it going, like, I think there's another version of you that everybody would really like and that you you just, you, like, don't want us to know anything about you, like the real version of you. I would, Whereas LeBron, go I, ahead.
2: I just want to say, I would interview, I, I'm not a Russell Wilson fan either, but I'd interview him for one reason and one reason only. He said God told him to marry Ciara. So I just want to know how you get that relationship where... God just happens to tell you that you need to date one of the hottest women on the planet. Pretty, pretty...
0: Yeah, wh- what would have happened had God <laughs> not given him would he yeah. like, not? Right, exa- well, yeah, if
2: God didn't give him the okay, then Russell Wilson moves on from Ciara. Okay, sure, we got it.
0: Yeah, so, and I'm not, like, this Russell Wilson thing with me, um, is I, I guess I shouldn't even have brought it up, but I'm trying to, like, make an example of, like, or point out the example of LeBron can be polished, but I understand it where the one with Wilson, I don't. And I'd love to do kind of a LeBron, just like, hey, man, this is the goal of the interview. And it wouldn't just be, hey, the phoner, and hey, how do you feel about the Lakers and everything. It's just that the moments that maybe you second-guessed being what I think is the most powerful athlete in team sports that that maybe we've ever seen, Mm -hmm. and him being this pioneer and where this league is now out of control every July with player movement because he – He's the guy that decided to do it first. I'm right. not talking about just leaving in free agency, but the way he's controlled the contracts and been in charge, like it's it's actually really remarkable. And if he not resent it so much, maybe they give him a little bit more credit. And that would be the interview I think I'd most yeah. wanna do about you know, don't don't if I ask you if you're second guessing yourself ever, don't give me the cool, strong lion answer of I never doubt myself and all that, which is what he would probably do. I would want to be like, can we just get past all that BS and you tell me about those moments where you started really thinking about what you were doing? Because now I think you deserve credit for it when it seemed like the whole world was against you eight years ago.
2: And I, I mean, I think LeBron would be fascinating in that spot also because, and tell me if you think I'm crazy for this statement, but from my lifetime, I'm just going by my lifetime, I'm not bringing in Jackie Robinson and stuff like that. I don't think there's... I think no pre, no athlete has had the pressure on him that LeBron has had throughout his career.
0: No, and he's delivered. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, think about... to Think about how many guys don't deliver on the hype. And he smashed it.
2: On and off the court.
0: Right. So right. there's not... Like, I get if you hate him because he beats your favorite team. I get right. if you hate him because he left your team. But even this divorce. This was, this was like a divorce the second time around where the kid's a teenager and he's like, I get it. You guys aren't into each other anymore. That's fine. I'm going to have a summer house, you know? right? right. <laughs> so right. It
2: wasn't
0: a bawling seven-year-old being like, mommy and daddy don't love each other. Yeah. So I, uh, I think that I had Kaepernick, I think I interviewed him. I definitely interviewed him in studio once we leave in Nevada. Mm-hmm. And then we did a phoner with him at the start of the whole thing. And he's never said anything. And, you know, I think, for everybody to better understand the story, it'd be great to actually hear from him for once in two years. And when people hear me say that, it'd be like, he doesn't owe anyone anything. Other free agents don't have to do it. And you're like, well, he's a little different than other free agents. Absolutely. And I'd love for him to sit down with somebody that's not going to totally kiss his ass. Right. But also like, you can't have somebody think Kaepernick's the worst human being either. Like it would have to be a very neutral person. I think I could do that, but I don't think he's ever going to do that interview.
2: Few and far. Yeah. uh, Good luck with that. We had him at the SI sportsman of the year last year and, you know, getting him is not easy. So I don't know about that one. Um, did did you happen to catch LeBron's show the Sh- uh, the shop on Tuesday night on HBO?
0: I taped it. Wha- um,
2: watch taped as it. soon as you hang up with me. Watch it because it everybody loved it. It goes wow. into sort of your answer. It, it, it's unfiltered LeBron. It's it, and it's it's very it's riveting television for thirty minutes. I'll tell wow. you, you will hang on every word. It's very good. Promise. I, 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 if I, if I, I don't want to oversell it, but I'll just say this. You will thoroughly enjoy it. I'll just say that.
0: No, I'm sure. Look, I, a lot of people that – I was surprised at some of the people that were so into it. And I went, okay, this must be
2: good. It's good. You know? Yeah, it's good. All right, it's, I'm in. Like I'm you in. said, it's That's not good. a lot of bullshit. It's, it's very straightforward. And you see LeBron as you have not seen him before. Say that. All right, be, before All right. we start arguing,
0: yeah, we should have just started this. Yeah, before we start
2: arguing <laughs> about your attack on <laughs> Pam Beasley, give me, give me your favorite episode of The Office.
0: Um, it's probably dinner party.
2: That's what the cast says usually too. I mean, oh really? <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, well, it's I, fine. I I, it's a good episode. It's a great episode. There's no oh, doubt about it.
0: So did I? I oh, so I picked like. I picked, like, the popular place, the Amalfi Coast.
2: No, I mean, like, listen, oh, like it's not like, look, um, with every show, like, if, you, you know, no matter what show it is, Seinfeld, The Office, The Sopranos, when you ask, what's your favorite episode, everyone get there's four or five standard answers. So, you know, the dinner party is one of them. Gate, uh, casino night is one of them. The You know, I love the Dundies. That's my favorite. But there's nothing wrong with. You know what
0: I love was, is I love when when Jim's um, in Stanford, but. They, they go up to that convention together, and yeah. Michael has the white jeans. Yes. And
2: he, the party like, in the I room. Gotta,
0: he's like, right. He's like, I got a room yeah. right next to the elevator, a lot of yeah. traffic. Yeah. Um, that's really underrated, and the way Jim kind of comes back around. Like, there's these little moments. That's what's so amazing. That show's great for a million reasons. And yeah. I tried to get Rain Wilson to follow up on this, but then he just crushed me with a <laughs> bad segue the way I did a bad <laughs> segue with him. But Michael is so annoying and does all these shitty things, but yet you still like him because you know deep down he's a good guy, right. which is really hard to do and yeah. did it
2: with him. Well, that, I mean, so. that, and that's like, it's, and it's funny that you can have that in a ridiculous sitcom like The Office and you have that with The Soprano. Like, Tony Soprano murdered people, but at the end of the day, you love Tony Soprano.
0: Yeah, that's TV's funny always, that way. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't quite understand that writing when I first started, is that, you know, you gotta start writing characters you don't care about to only see how the one you do care about react off of them. Mm -hmm. And I have always felt like if you think about movies, like who you start rooting for, like I started reading this book about this, the the Cuban immigration and, and these guys that, you know, got in tons of trouble. And I found myself reading, like rooting for the guy to get out of jail. And he's this horrible guy. He's horrible. And yet I'm reading, but he was like the first character. I think that happens in a lot of storytelling. The first character you're introduced to, you end up rooting for the whole time. And I think that's what happens with with Tony Soprano. Or maybe we're just so desensitized from TV the last 20 years
2: that we're all terrible people. I think that's part of it, too, without a doubt. Um, And Michael Scott, I mean, when you watch those episodes, when you watch those episodes, no, he didn't. But when you watch some of those episodes now, especially seasons one, two, three, four, I, I mean, half the stuff he says probably doesn't get on TV today, which is fascinating I when a, you think about it.
0: I have a friend that's convinced you couldn't make The Office today, and I'm like, it's not that old. This isn't all the right. family. Well,
2: for, there was a and huge was like, there was a huge think piece a few months ago about how someone had a whole theory about that. I should I'll find it and send it to you, but. I think you can make it, but there'd be a lot of jokes on the cutting. I mean, you—you know—I posted this actually. I think on Twitter a couple of weeks ago because I was watching it, and it's the episode when Pam is wearing glasses because she said she stayed at a friend's house the night before. But we can figure out what that was you about. No, that's not the case. Yeah, and, a liar. Yeah, and uh, oh, here we go. And uh, <laughs> and and Michael Scott just comes out and he's like, "Pam, you're not even trying. The gl- you're going backwards. The glasses are not uh, don't make you look hot. It's without the glasses where you're hot. I mean, that I mean." the outrage wait, that would go that's on
0: offensive. That's offensive now. Oh, see, I mean, then we're done. Do I mean, think I that, think
2: I, do I think that's offensive? No. Do I think if they add that now they'd get shit for it? Yes. There's a big difference between what I think is, you know,
0: right. Okay. But we got to keep, we got to start keeping track of the people that are giving others shit for it. Cause if you're like, wait a minute, Right. how many is it? Oh, wait a minute. It's like three people on Twitter. Like you know what, I'm not going to worry about this. Well, that's my problem. Um,
2: I get annoyed. That, that
0: I... to me was like the, the last example, though. I mean, of all the things that could be offensive in that show, you know, what when how they make fun of Oscar, like when he gets mad at his own roast, right. And then he comes back and does the boom roasted thing, right? Which was actually used recently when the Jalen Ramsey piece came out, where he made fun of certain quarterbacks. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but the stuff he says to Oscar and then says to Andy to kind of cover the Oscar joke, but. I don't know. I'd like, I'd like to think that somebody could still write that and not go, "Hey, this has to be so PC that." And it doesn't mean because I want people to be offended, but I, I don't know. Like, it's do people go to stand up acts now? Like, if you walk in the door of oh, a stand up well. act, you, like you've signed up for something. And if you're going to tune on or turn on the like an office if it were made in 2018, like I, I don't know. I, I would hope Listen. people wouldn't go. Oh, but you're right. A lot of people say it, and it, it kind of surprised me.
2: It, I, des- I, I despise taking the other side, and I'm not doing it. I'm just playing the devil's advocate. There's, a, there's still a difference between going to a stand up show and something that would be on network television. That, that would be my response. That. And the thing I said about the pan with the glasses, I mean, that's a, I mean I, there's much stronger examples of, um, you know, I mean, what about in the Dundees when he plays Ping and he's doing the Chinese accent? Yeah. I'm not sure Ping that.
0: Ping would not go over well. There you go.
2: There's, there's a better one than the glasses. Then, you know, that would not fly today. Now, but like most of the Mindy yeah. Kaling
0: jokes, like that, but is it okay when she's a writer, producer on the show? Well, that's a, it's a you no, know, f- I,
2: I think I thought about that? It's a fast, it's an, that you hit it right on the head. It's fat because I think I thought about that a lot when something happens and she's like, Oh, he raped me. Oh, I'm kidding. And I'm like, Hmm, interesting. She's the writer of the producer, she's giving that joke out. I, you know, it's an interesting one.
0: I, I, I don't know, man. I, w- I would hope. But you're right. Like As we get into this Beasley thing, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you one of the responses. I got, I got one response out of the whole thing. So go ahead. <laughs> all right, Tito, so, up. All right, well, I want you all right, well, to go. We, you open up the court. Well, let
2: me start with this. Let me start with this. Did you think Pam was evil when you first watched The Office, or is it on your viewing of repeats that you've come up with this absurd theory?
0: I started to not like her towards the last few episodes because I felt like...
2: <laughs> all right, but, season, but those last two seasons don't count. They don't count. Yeah, any no, Office fan would tell you that. No, they
0: don't, but I, I still think around season five, once she started nagging Tim, um, and that could be just a me problem, man, <laughs> uh, that I felt like the writers started making her stronger, which, you know, it's going to be, oh, Russillo couldn't handle Hey, look, I, I love Jan, so um, like it's oh not because Pam became strong that I didn't like a strong female character. I guess she ended up becoming a different, she was a different character. She was, like, becoming a different character. And I felt like they were writing her a specific way that was a little different. She and grew then, as a person. Yes, right, right. She grew, <laughs> I guess, but I don't know. Um, but then, then yes, the second, the second watch through, because I think I was living in, like, hotels for a while and I only had Netflix <laughs> right. to count on. And I watched it a second time and then I started noticing all these things where I was like, wait a minute, she's got some nasty
2: attributes here. Okay, I would say this. Every character on that show has na- there's no one who's all good on that show. There's no one who's actually even good on that show, maybe. They're all crazy and her craziness is 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 like nothing compared to everyone else in that show.
0: Okay. That's that's bad start for you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we know I think we know Michael's bad. We know Angela's terrible. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, Dwight Dwight's intentions were probably the most pure. On a lot of things, um, he just had a different upbringing.
2: But he set the Pam office on was, fire.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but wait a minute, wasn't that Ryan?
2: No, that was him for his uh, fire safety training. To
0: for his fire safety training. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I think it was more of a smoke thing. But, yeah. yeah. Um, I, well, uh, and then no, was, and then pa- Stanley, had a, right. Stanley right. had a heart he attack. Stanley had a heart attack. On fire. That's right. Um, yeah, Pam was sold as like a bill of goods. You know, they want me to believe she's from St. Louis or something. You know, some right. wholesome Midwest, and, you know, she. the Roy stuff was messed up. And then, okay, fine, you you dated a guy, you know, you're from Scranton, and, you know, in a way, I feel like maybe if she was inflated about herself because she was in Scranton, and if she had lived in, like, a major city, then, you know, maybe <laughs> she wouldn't have such an attitude all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, okay, so fine, she's dating Roy, and the Roy thing doesn't work out. We all know Roy's. I may have been a Roy for, like, five years. and
2: That's why you hate her.
0: Jim, no, but hmm. when Jim comes back, and she's like, oh, we're just friends. We'll always be friends. Like, she messes with Jim's head, and then Jim's got Karen, who you could argue mm, has more going on. She became the manager at Utica, and <laughs> she was, like, messing with that. And, like, resented the gym. So, like, once I, I, well I was like, man, that's really, I mean, it's great writing. It's terrific because it's so real. But then I started keeping track of all the stuff that she did. And I was like, man, like, this is there's some, there's some bad stuff on there. Because how about when Michael, how about, when, how about that, when they're like, Michael's hooking up with somebody from the office. Pam lights up like a candle.
2: Right. Who, who,
0: gossip. I love it. I love it. Tell me who. Right. And then guess what, Pammy? Finds out it's your mom and guess who's not so happy about the office yeah. gossip anymore when she was dying here about it and before. that's why
2: Pam's great because she's relatable because that would be everyone in that situation who would if, you would love it if you heard Michael was hooking up with someone's mom in the office and then if it was your mom you'd flip out that she, that's she's real
0: you just made it real on me <laughs>
2: did
0: you saying that sentence Yeah. Um, i i didn't like it uh,
2: and here's the thing know, she look, knew feel- he she knew she belonged with Jim she did what she had to do to be with Jim, it's that simple. Mess with his head for F 40 Roy. Years. She didn't, uh, m- no, and he oh messed with her, he messed with her head too.
0: How? Because like, she was with... Like, wait, wait.
2: Do you think when she was with Roy, Jim respected the boundaries there? They, 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 oh, go get a pizza and a couple of chairs. We'll go sit on the rooftop. Oh, let's go ice skating together. Oh, uh, like, you know, uh, Jim was a willing participant there. It was a two-way street because they both... about
0: the Kung Fu class when when her shirt went up and then she totally freaked out and iced out Jim for like the rest of the episode. It made him feel like crap. What about... How about Pam? Jim
2: going to Toby to complain that she was planning her wedding in the office and going to Human Resources? I mean, Jim I and Pam. that was fair. Oh, that was fair. <laughs> <laughs> How about when
0: Pam goes to art school with full support of Jim, says it'll only be three months, it'll be great, you're going to do great. She fails one of the programming classes. It happens. Has to retake it, quits, quits on her dreams, moves back, forces herself into a sales position that she didn't even deserve after Jim helped her get that sales position because he told Michael what David Wallace was going to do behind the scenes in buying out the Michael Scott paper company. And then once Jim decides to better their family situation with kids on the way with Ashley in Philadelphia and investing in some of the money, she then makes him give up on his dream that we've been hearing about for nine seasons and quit and stay in Scranton. They're never going to stay together. If they do a remake, they will be divorced because Jim will always resent that.
2: Why should Jim resent that? One, Jim was the one who decided not to get her input on starting athlete. Number one, that's a problem. Didn't get her input on her buying.
0: Investment. She invested in Woof. Do you think he wanted to hear from her on investment advice?
2: That was a good company. I thought anyone would have invested in that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't understand how Woof didn't take off. I don't understand it. They, here's the bottom line. No matter what they did, they each did shady things. There's no doubt about it. It was because they knew they belonged yeah. together, and they'd still be together. We all aspire. For a we all need a, We all want to be like Jim and Pam. The hatred, I mean, is just terrible.
0: I don't think it's the hatred. I think it's when when you are pointing out something no one else is seeing, compassionate, and that's just that's all I'm doing.
2: I thought. See, here's the thing. I will say, I do think if you watch season two, I mean, Jim is very shady in. In, you know, they're playing basketball. He scores. He gives it a little wink of the eye. Come on, Jim. Respect the boyfriend who's there. And I love Jim. Yeah, I, I don't want Jim, you know, I don't want Jim bashing either. I love them both. They just, you know, they, it took them time to find their way. It happens to everyone in real life. You know, you play those games with the uh, person you want. takes a little time, and then, you know, you get it yeah, together. I,
0: look, I don't, I'm not telling you Jim's perfect either. I just think, I think Pam... I think the advertising's false there. That's all. But I—it I, was funny because there was one female reporter that lit me up. Oh yeah. She Didn't follow me. Obviously not a big fan of my work. Oh. And she she went with that tweet where she goes, "Oh look at this! Another man threatened by a strong female." Oh terrorist. my They're god! Blah, 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 blah. And I just went, I you know, and I I thought about a reply. You
2: can't reply to that. You can't win. You can't win. If I didn't you rep-
0: want to. But I kind of did. I was like, I almost want to lose here and see how it goes (laughs) because it'll be entertaining. Because you just want to be like, hey, you know what? Sometimes it's just a character on TV. Right, right. Kind of making a joke about it. Right. That's all. Maybe it's just that.
2: When I tweet out this podcast, I'm going to say, you know, SI Media Podcast with at Ryan Rosillo, who explains why he hates a strong woman like Pam Beasley. We'll (laughs) We'll let the people do their thing. (laughs) <laughs>
0: well, you better not. The contract might not be finalized. You
2: know, <laughs> I, I'll, I, I can't make any promises. You're very hard on pain. I mean, evil. Evil is a rough word.
0: Evil. I think there's. I think there's some darkness there that it just took a. It took a guy like me to point out.
2: A little darkness. A little darkness is good.
0: Don't be mad at me for being first on that.
2: All right. Well, Look,
0: even even Dwight on get up. Like, that was the, my favorite part of the whole week. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. hey, how are the Seahawks? Tell us about this Shark movie. And I was like, all right, guys, never mind. Like, I'm not even going to do a good segue. I got a theory on Pam. Are you ready? And he just looked at me like, what the hell is this? And then, I mean, he's actually an incredible actor, which yeah. I'm not sure of the 16-under stuff. I mean, he's oh, he, awesome.
2: I, I, he's what he, awesome, man. What he does on The Office is so, I think, I actually think because Steve Carell gets so much credit that Rain Wilson doesn't get the credit. I mean, the things he has to come out with and say... Is just his performance in the drug testing episode when he's questioning everyone (laughs) is off the charts. When he gets
0: when he gets fired, yeah, and (laughs) he's interviewing. Ah, damn it! I'm not going to remember the line.
2: Don't you hate that? And then, yeah,
0: she's like, "Give me three words about yourself," and he's like, "Ah," and he gives her like four. He's like, alpha, right, right. tenacious, <laughs> unrelenting, or whatever. But the one line I do remember is, I think he's walking outside of Staples, and he goes, briefcase, and he like does a fist in the air, and he goes, the only thing on my horizon is
2: everything is on my horizon. <laughs> and, that, and that's how good a person Pam was. She was friends with Dwight. She, she had sympathy for Dwight.
0: Only when he had a concussion.
2: Oh, uh, there were plenty of other time. With, and she kept the secret with him and Angela. don't get points for that? Yeah,
0: because she liked it. Because her currency was (laughs) secret. Yeah. Okay.
2: All right. Well, we're never going to agree on this. We agree that The Office is a great show, though.
0: It's... uh, I think it's one of the greatest television shows in history. I I agree. I I agree. There are so many little things, if you watch it a second time. I can't imagine how much fun it must have been to write on that show, and how smart everybody was. (laughs) And they were timely, and they were cool. It It was never old or outdated. Like... Even a simple thing like Ryan, once he'd come back after his whole thing, um, and somebody talks about being pregnant, and Ryan yells in the background as like the new hipster guy yeah, yeah. who's like found himself, and he just goes, "Don't get," do that <laughs> like that's that's so smart the, and brilliant. And like, I could spend thirty minutes interviewing somebody just about that kind of stuff. I, I love that. I'll
2: probably get in trouble with someone for saying this, but I'll just say it. the Michael Scott's harassment of Ryan. Is so good. When he does Lovely. the prison mic and he looks right at Ryan, and he goes, You'd be the belle of the ball. <laughs> the way he delivers that line is genius.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think he can get in trouble. He just admired that Ryan had a good look. Hot, I mean, that was a pretty common theme. Right?
2: Hottest in the office. He wanted the first Dundee. Hottest in the office.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. Know, you know what I love the most about the show? Go ahead. And I'll leave
2: it with no, no, with go that. Ahead.
0: I love the BBC one. It yeah. was incredible. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, the first season was clearly them just going with the BBC storylines and everybody sort of finding their voice, the writers and all that stuff, okay. and that it became its own thing. And it, to me, it's just as funny or funny in a different way because the BBC one's incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's stupid how good your base is in that. But that doesn't happen. Like, what, how often do you have something that's a duplication? Off another thought, right. It's just it's just as good and just as enjoyable, and they did it, and I, I don't. It doesn't
2: happen. I only have one beef with the British Office, and it's really more of a beef okay. with Twitter than the no. It's more of a beef with Twitter, I guess. But anytime you tweet about the American Office, there's inevitably like the two or three douches who have to respond with the British version is better. Like, okay, got it. I understand. Can we just enjoy this version? You can enjoy both. The thing about Twitter is you can't have two thoughts at once, God forbid. But like, there's always you know it's 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 that's the one thing is you know you tweet about the American office and you got to hear about how great the Brit we got it it's okay relax like both.
0: No, that's that's <laughs> the worst, and uh, I'm I'm going to tell you who that guy is. that guy. All right. Well, and I never watched the American one.
2: Uh, right. That's cause, true. Because the British right. one is so good. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah that's yeah. That's exactly and right. My
0: point to anyone who says that is like, oh, cool. Then punish yourself and do
2: not enjoy something everyone enjoys. Exactly. Huh? That's Twitter for you. All right. Really appreciate this. And uh, like I said, it was so easy to book you. So I, I appreciate that even more. And, uh, yeah, stop emphasizing that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm get, I don't want to like, you. Hey, yeah.
0: hey, you're
2: with us. All right. Well, good luck at The Ringer. Good luck at ESPN. And uh, well, I, we'll, we'll have to have a more in-depth discussion on The Office sometime down the road, maybe. Don, count me in. All right. Appreciate it. Take care, Ryan. All right fun interview with ryan Rossillo. glad we got to argue about the office interesting stuff there with him now working for espn and the ringer and uh, very popular ryan Rossillo. so more ryan Rossillo out there the better it is for his fans so everyone should check him out and uh pam beasley is the best thank you for listening to this episode of the si media podcast i'm your host jimmy trainer i will see you next week Bye.
0: Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast, giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: There are some things that are too
0: good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge.